Ah, yes, Easter is coming. We'll talk about that in a second. First, you guys helped me out this morning, at least some of you did, um, talking about the phrase, come and see. And so what we ask you to do as you're walking in is kind of fill out maybe the last time someone asked you to come and see something. Uh, this week, we had uh, the septic tank drained. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, that was exciting. And uh, it's always good to have the septic tank clean up. So what we had was a 2,000-gallon tank with 1,999 gallons of sewage in it. <laughs> But it's all taken care of, we're honest at, and, and we're kind of working towards, if you're newer, we're kind of working towards the purchase of this building, so may have an announcement for you in the next few weeks, but just kind of a little preview, a little uh, septic tank preview of what's coming. Uh, but anyway, so that was going down, and I had never seen that stuff, I had never looked into a septic tank before, and so Joe was in the office like, Joe, you got to come and see this. Our church has a terrible eating habit, like there's, <laughs> there's, there's some people that have some issues in this church, so you might want to, you might want to look into that. Uh, Anyways, I, I think there was like 20 years of sewage in there. Um, it's like a time capsule that we opened up. Like, <laughs> oh, there's, there's 1997. <laughs> Anyways, so all that to say, some of you helped me out by uh, filling out some of these sheets. We just asked you to kind of share an example. Try to beat that one. I dare you. Uh, uh, when was the last time someone asked you to come and see? My wife asked me all the time. Yeah, I'm going to get you in trouble there. All right. How about uh, the paint samples on the wall? Come and see the paint samples on the wall. I can't think of a worse thing for someone to ask me to do. Come and see the paint samples on the wall. All right. Uh, come watch the dog show. Was there a dog show on yesterday? I, I, we've, I found the thing worse than watching, uh, looking at paint samples. The dog show. I better be careful. I'm going to make fun of the wrong person accidentally. Uh, let's see. All right, so uh, my sister said um, she painted the kitchen all day and was finished and so proud of her work. It looks awesome. So she said, come and see. Come and see the kitchen painted. All right, how about one more? Uh, oh, my wife asked me to come and see the videos of our niece on Snapchat. All right. Okay, so here's the common theme, all right? What, forget the manure part, but everything else. Uh, I think if we, of the ones that we read, and I think of if we re were to read through all of them, what we're going to find is that all of the things that someone was asked to come see were things that were important to the person that they wanted them to, to share it with, right? So if something is important in our lives, if it has had some value in our lives, maybe if it has changed our lives or transformed our lives, I think the natural response is to ask someone to come see it to show them, and maybe even invite them to experience it along with us, depending on what it is. And so come and see, this idea of come and see is a huge part of the interactive human experience. But what we're called to do is also make come and see an integral part of our faith experience. And we're coming up on Easter, and we've kind of been teasing this idea of an invite day, which will happen tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to talk about that in a second. Uh, but Easter is kind of one of those times when people are a little bit more open to coming and seeing. And so uh, we're going to look at a chapter in, in the, uh, the start of the book of John, John chapter 1, because um, there's some interesting interactions in there uh, between some, some individuals and Jesus, uh, and, it, and we kind of get to that idea of come and see when it comes to our faith. So John chapter 1, um, and really the whole book of John, just to kind of let you in on the overarching theme, John writes this book to show and to prove that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was God. And so he dives right into chapter 1, and chapter 1 kind of 
creates a bit of foreshadowing and an overview of where he's going to go, and then he jumps into some of the life of Christ. Um, so John 1, 1, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and we know from Scripture the Word is Christ. Okay, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Okay, that's a big deal. And the Word was God. And not only was he God, but he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. So, so John drops this bomb right at the start of his gospel that he's writing. And so the people hearing, you know, for us to hear that Jesus is the word, Jesus was God, he was with God in the beginning, that's a big deal to us. But for these people who are listening, they've been anticipating someone like Jesus coming. They've grown up hearing about the Old Testament, hearing that God was going to send a fix for all the brokenness in the world. He was going to answer the questions. He was going to fulfill the prophecies. And someone was coming. And so John says, this Jesus, the one that you've kind of heard about, the one who walked the earth for 30 years, who had this ministry, and you've heard about him dying, this Jesus was God. That's a huge bomb to drop. And then he says, he was with God in the beginning. He's been since the beginning. And so all the ramifications of that, these people are thinking back on some of their Old Testament stories. Okay, creation. Nothing was made without him. Everything was made through him. So Jesus was there at the beginning. This guy who was walking around was there at the beginning. Okay, what about Abraham? Abraham had some encounters with God. And Joshua, before the battle of Jericho, had a face-to-face encounter with God in some human fleshly form. Was that Jesus? Was he, was he around that whole time? And then even uh, the, the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They, they refused to bow down to the idol. They got thrown into the fire. And when they looked, and they did, not only did they not burn up, but there was a fourth person in there that they didn't throw in. And so these people are thinking, oh my gosh, Jesus, like this human, this physical manifestation of God, he's been around since the beginning. All of those things that happened, Jesus was there in some way. And so it's a really big deal for them to hear this. And he says, and uh, continues on in verse 14, he says the word, God became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So not only is Jesus God, but God became a human. He became a person. He entered in as part of his creation. And so these have huge ramifications for the things that these people grew up in. What they're thinking is, is this... This stuff, like we knew it was supposed to happen at some point. We knew someone would experience these moments. But is this happening here? This is happening now? This is happening to us? And then uh, the book of John gets into uh, the life of Christ, and we pick it up with John the Baptist in John one twenty nine. And it says, The next day John, that's John the Baptist, which is a different John than the John writing this book. John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then to jump down to verse 34, John says, I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. So John the Baptist says, yes, it is happening now. It is happening to us. This is it. This is the one. This is the one the Old Testament has been talking about. He's here. It's him. It's Jesus. And so Jesus bursts on the scene. So go to verse 35 and continue reading from there. The next day, John, John the Baptist, was there again with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. And I'm sure his disciples were like, wait, what? Like, it's actually happening? And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. And turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? He he may not have said it like that. But I like to imagine that he was, like he's on his way, like he's got this three-year mission to the cross, and he's getting started, and these two dudes are following him. He's like... 
what do you guys want? Like, I got stuff to do. No, probably not like that, and that has nothing to do with what we're talking about today, but I appreciate that Jesus maybe had an attitude there. Um, So they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John, and you will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee, and finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Now, I have to imagine there's probably more to that conversation Um, but follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. And Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. And when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. And Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. And so Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. And so as we look back at some of those interactions, there's a common theme there where John the Baptist, he had people following him. And when he saw that it was Jesus and he knew that it was him, he was the chosen one. He's the Messiah. He said, you got to stop following me. It's time to go see what he's about time to follow him. And so one of those guys was Andrew. And it says the first thing he did was go find Peter. And he said, come and see. You need to see what I've seen. You need to experience what I've experienced. You need to hear what Jesus is saying. This is it. This is the Messiah. And then Jesus finds Philip. And Philip's first response is to do the same thing with Nathaniel. Nathaniel, come and see. You need to hear what I'm hearing. You need to see what I'm seeing. You need to meet this guy. You need to experience what I've experienced. Come and see. It's this common theme, and we see it throughout the New Testament, or even uh, the the crowds grow, because obviously people are sharing what is going on. And there's even moments where Jesus is healing people, and it's before he wants everyone to know. It's before he wants everyone to know who he is, and they start to figure out. He says, here's the thing. You're healed. Bless you. Go, but don't tell anyone what's happened to you. Don't tell anyone about me. Not yet. Which is interesting, because I can picture these guys like, all right, so we're not supposed to say, so Jesus, just a second. I haven't walked in 30 years. They're going to have some questions. So they don't really listen to Jesus, and they go off and they tell everybody, and it causes a big ruckus, and and in some cases it gets Jesus in trouble, which is fine. But what we find out from all these individuals and throughout the New Testament is that a healthy response to choosing to follow Jesus, the healthy response of someone who makes that decision to give their lives to Christ, a healthy response is then to tell someone else. And for many of them, it was their first response. It was the first thing they wanted to do. If he's the Messiah, if he's the Savior, if he is God, if he's been here since the beginning, and if we choose to follow, if our lives are changed by him, then a healthy response is to look at the people around us and say, you got to come and see. You need to see what I've seen. You need to hear what I've heard. You need to experience what I've experienced. 
my gosh, the, the thing that my life really needed, the thing that my family desperately needed, I, I can't believe the healing and the freedom and the, the forgiveness and the purpose and the joy that we've experienced because of this. You need to come and see. Let, let me tell you why I do this. Let me tell you why we go to church. Let, let me show you why. Come and see. And that's why something like baptism is such a powerful thing. And, and we emphasize that in our faith because that takes something that's happened on the inside and immediately puts it out into the outside world. And we say, I've given my life to Jesus. Let me tell you about it. It's a huge response to the decision that we've made. And there's, there's probably people in your life who need to hear. And no matter where you're at, if, if you're following Jesus, maybe you're at a point where you've, you've been a little hesitant and you're not sure how to say it or, or who to invite or what to do, but maybe it's a time in your walk with Jesus where it's time for you to tell someone else. And any day is great. <clears throat> Excuse me. Any day is great, but we're coming up on Easter. And what we see throughout our society and throughout history, when things happen, maybe it's a, a national tragedy or Christmas or Easter, people just become more open to an invite. They become more open to hearing about the gospel. And so this becomes a season where we have some opportunities. And so uh, a couple practical questions as it relates to, because you, you might be sitting there thinking, okay, who do I invite then? Right? Like, who's on my hit list? Who, who am I going to talk to? Who am I going to tell about Jesus? Who am I going to invite to church? How do I know? How do I choose who to tell? Here's a few categories that I think we even see just from this short uh, few interactions in John 1. First question I'd throw at you is, who is someone who trusts you and has already allowed you to have some influence in their life? Who already trusts you? Because John the Baptist had people who were following him. They were listening to his teaching. They were doing what he said, responding the way he wanted them to respond. But when he saw that it was Jesus, he pushed them in their direction. He said, now that I have your ear, now that you trust my heart, now that you trust my motives, here's the truth. And he pushed them in the, in the direction of Christ. So who in your life matches that description? Now, most of us don't have students, right? We, don't, we, we may not have uh, people that are following us around like we're like little mini rabbis and we got people following around trying to do everything that we do and say what we say. But you have people who trust you. You have people who have allowed you to speak wisdom into their life and to give them advice and to guide them throughout their life. Those people have given you their trust, and they may be open to an invite. Challenge them to come and see what you've experienced in Christ. Second category, I'd ask this question, who's a part of your family tree? Who's in your family? Because when Andrew found out, when he experienced Christ, the first thing he did is go and tell his brother Peter. Who from your family needs to experience Christ? Because you've experienced it, you've heard it, you've believed it, you've put your faith there, you've put your trust there. And so for that to spread to your family tree, it needs to start with you telling someone, showing someone, inviting someone, asking them to come in and see what you've experienced. Your life has changed, and now it's time to spread to the rest of your family tree. Who's in your family that needs to hear, that needs to come? So who trusts you? Who, who's kind of given you some influence in their life? Who's in your family tree? Third one is this. Who's already had a genuine encounter with Jesus, but just needs to be invited to become a part of the body? We may, we may have people like that in our lives, because Jesus found Philip, and Philip went to Nathaniel. Now, we don't know all the details of that find. Maybe, uh, maybe with Philip, uh, th there were probably some introductions with Jesus already. Maybe he had been following a little bit on the fringes, kind of listening to what Jesus taught, maybe responding to that. Maybe he was bought in. But Jesus looks and says, hey, it's time to take this to the next level. You've been out there, you've been listening, you believe who I am, you believe what I've been saying, but you've been on the fringes, so now come join me. 
Come be a part of this family that I'm forming. So who do you know that knows the truth but hasn't ever really engaged with the greater body of Christ? Maybe they grew up in the church, but for whatever reason, they've kind of drifted away from that. Maybe they know and believe the truth. Maybe they know the basics of the gospel, but they've never engaged. This is an opportunity to invite people to be a part of something more special than just kind of peeking in from the outside. Now, this is not your best friend who's plugged in at another church and saying, this one's better. You need to come over to our church. Forget about your small group. They don't need you to serve. Just come over here to Fieldstone. That's not what this is about, okay? This is people who are disconnected from the body of Christ in some way, who need to be invited back in to be a part of what God is doing. Who do you know that's already had a genuine encounter with Christ but is outside of the active, healthy part of the body of Christ? So, who trusts you? Who's a part of your family tree? Who's already had that encounter but just needs to be invited in? The fourth one's this. Who's maybe open but is skeptical? Who's open to the truth but might be skeptical currently? Because that's Nathaniel, right? And Nathaniel's first response was a sarcastic one, which I can really appreciate, but it gives us some clues into who he was. Number one, he knew that Nazareth is, is kind of a grungy little town, right? There's nothing special about Nazareth. But what he also knew is that the Messiah was to come from Bethlehem, the city of David. And so these guys didn't know yet. They're following Jesus, but they didn't know yet he was born in Bethlehem. So he's hearing Nazareth, and he's thinking, this doesn't really line up with what I've researched and what I've read. So here's a guy who's cynical, but there's, behind that is a root of knowledge and of some research. But, but for that guy, in the midst of his cynicism, in the midst of his skepticism, along came the right invite from the right person at the right time, and he was willing to check it out. You might have someone in your life like that. Maybe someone who has that background in church, maybe none. Maybe they've had prior interactions with religion or with Christians. Maybe they have some valid reasons to be cynical based on people they've known, based on experiences that they've had. But maybe you can be the right person at the right time with the right invite. And maybe they'll be open to that this time. So those are kind of our, our four categories, and certainly there's people outside of those, but those are some good natural ones to be thinking about um, if your imagination wasn't already thinking of different people in your life. Um, so here's what we're going to do. Um, we're kind of putting out a challenge, and tomorrow becomes invite day. Monday, April 15, if you saved your taxes, I'm sorry. <laughs> Tomorrow's invite day. And so here's the challenge. We've got um, some Fieldstone invite cards, kind of like a two-by-three kind of a thing. And we've got a bunch of copies of an Easter mailer that's going to be hitting a bunch of homes this week uh, that you can take with you. And so our challenge is take three of those and extend a personal invitation to three people or three families, maybe even people who fit those categories we've been talking about. And it's simple as saying, hey, come and see. Come and check it out. Are you going anywhere for Easter? You should come, you should come with us. Hey, hey, we've been friends for a while. Have I ever mentioned this really important part of my life? Hey, brother, hey, sister, hey, mom, hey, grandpa, why don't you come with us this weekend? Hey, remember how I told you before how God really stepped in and had an influence in my life in a really important way and walked us through that and did a miracle in my life? Have I ever told you about that? Hey, I know you used to go to church as a kid and kind of got forced to go and it was really boring and stuff. And Would you ever try it again? Would you ever consider giving it another shot? Just simple ways to just kind of throw it out there and invite three people. Now, some important notes for this challenge, okay? First note is that the most effective invites come out of previously established relationships. 
So a generic invite is fine. That's great. Like you want to throw it on social media and kind of cast a wide net and see who's out there. If you want to do something impersonal and just leave, leave an invite card with your tip at lunch, a nice big generous tip, right? That's fine. That's great. But this is more than just, I'm scared to talk about Jesus, so I'm just going to get you to church and hopefully Justin will tell you, right? That, it's more than that. Now that's, that's part of what God does, that's part of a faith experience is experiencing church and hearing God's word preached and experiencing worship and things like that. But this is more than just that. This is, this is tying together the relationship, uh, the, the, the two between an, in, an invite and an investment that's already been made into someone. Someone from your family, someone who trusts you, someone who you know is skeptical and you've kind of been chipping away at the armor around their heart. Um, those previously established relationships out of investments you've already been making into people. Those are the most effective invites. Second note is, don't forget, there's a, there's a lot of people, I have to imagine, who as Andrew and Philip and Peter and Nathaniel and the other disciples, as they started to say to other people, come and see, come be a part of this, they probably received a lot of, no thanks. Not really into it. I'll pass this time. And so that's okay. Even Jesus got that. The rich young ruler came to him and said, hey, I got all this money, which is great, but I've been trying to do what the Old Testament says. I've been trying to live the right life and do everything I'm supposed to do. And Jesus says, that's great. That's, that's awesome. Here's what I want you to do. Get rid of all that stuff and just come follow me. Come and be a part of what's happening here. And the guy says, no, I can't do that. It's not for me. It's too much. No thanks. So don't be afraid of a no thanks. Those things do come. But the third note is a good one. The people in John 1, they were ready for the invite even if they didn't realize it. They weren't all expecting it. They weren't all looking for it. Now, maybe somebody like Andrew who, who had been following John the Baptist, so he must have had some clue that, okay, something is happening here. This guy's preaching is strong. It lines up with the Old Testament. He's saying that the Messiah is coming. I'm, I'm kind of in on this. And so when Jesus came along, it was a little bit more of a natural fit. But for the other guys, they weren't looking for anything. Nathaniel's just sitting under a fig tree. You know, who knows what he was doing? But God made sure they were ready for the invite when it came. And that's where we get to the most important part. And I'll read John 1.50 again. Jesus says, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You saw a miracle. I did something awesome and you bought in. But he said, You will see greater things than that. And that's our prayer. Any invite, anytime we're initiating a conversation, anytime somebody walks into this building in particular, we ask God to show them something greater than what we have to offer. Because I don't know if you've noticed. Some of you guys have been in church your whole life like I have. Like every church sings songs, and we sing songs. Every church has somebody preaching a sermon every week, and we got somebody preaching a sermon every week. Every church has greeters. Every church has offering buckets that go by. Every church has like small groups or Sunday school or some type of class atmosphere. You're going to find out there's not really anything we do here that's anything crazy. You're like, oh, Fieldstone figured it out. They found the formula. How come we didn't do that? No, we do everything everybody else does, right? The, now, the one thing is different. We got a pretty sweet coffee area back there. It's not a, there's not a lot of people with 37 syrups for their coffee, Okay. Maybe it's 35. I lost count. But, but, but we've got a sweet coffee area. Maybe that's the thing. But there's nothing humanly out of the ordinary in this place. But what we do pray for, and it's been our prayer since the beginning, and it should be our prayer when we're talking to our neighbor or our sister or anybody or inviting somebody to the church, God, 
Let them hear something more than just the words I'm saying. Let them experience something more than just songs and sermons. God, let something happen to them that goes beyond what humans can accomplish. Show them something greater. And that's what we pray. And I pray that as you have conversations, as, as you invite, as we interact every week, that, that that would be our prayer, that you would experience that, that God has been preparing the people that you're talking to, initiating the conversation before you even get there so that they're ready and they can respond. So what we've got is, as you walk out today, uh, on the table, as you go out the door, that some will be passing them out, but they're on the table. The invite cards, the Easter mailer things, take as many as you want, but take at least three. And I challenge you to pass those out to somebody. Extend an invite, initiate a conversation, and see what God can do with it. Because, um, guys, many of us have experienced that power and the transformation that comes with a relationship with Christ. We have stories of marriages that were healed. Stories of forgiveness and new life that we didn't think was possible. Stories of entire family trees transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so this is not only just, this is not just something that we do sometimes. This is a huge step. This is a scary step, but it's an important step in our faith where if we have chosen to follow, if we've said, yes, I believe this is the one, I believe this is God, I believe he's been here since the beginning, I believe he died for me. If we've believed that, if we've given our lives to that, then a healthy response is to tell someone else. And in that, we have a chance to invite people into that same life, that same experience, that same transformation. And if they end up at Fieldstone, awesome. They end up at some church, amazing. But guys, if they experience Jesus, if they find a relationship with him and are transformed by that, that's where it's at. That's what we're looking for. Let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you for um, just this season, this time of year where um, in many ways, we're forced to remember what you did and what Jesus did for us. And God, for those of us who have given our hearts to you and given our lives to you, God, I pray that you would continue to just tug at our hearts, bring the right people to mind, give us the courage to, to begin a conversation, to talk about our faith, and maybe even invite people to church. And God, when they come, when they hear us talk, when they see us live, God, may they hear and see and experience something far greater than anything that we could imagine. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. Have a great afternoon.